Sean Lynn in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith, family, food, and fun. Pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink. Episode 78. We are on the road visiting our good friend, Father Marius. He's going to show us how to ride God's highway. Sit back as he pours us a dram. Welcome to another episode of A Dram with Friends. As you can tell, we're not in the pub. We're on the road visiting our good friend, Father Marius. Welcome to your house, Father Marius. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. It's Thanks. Good, good to be here. It is good to be here. And we have a special guest as well. Uh, Father Marius, what's our special guest? Yes, the special guest, his name is uh, JP2 Chopper. Uh, I'm a privileged guy to own this beautiful motorcycle and it's a quite a story behind it but I believe we get into that later on. Yeah, the bike was built as a tribute to my countryman John Paul II. So you poured us a nice uh, shot of Abelauer 12 which thank you very much, okay. much appreciated. For our friends in the pub who don't know the famous Father Marius, who is Father Marius? Okay, so I was born in Poland in, in the mountains, quite similar to Kananaskis. Um, the place is called Ustrzykidone in Bieszczady. And I grew up in Poland, I did all my schooling in Poland, and I went uh, to the seminary in Poland and I was ordained in Poland. I am a member of the religious order known as uh, Salvatorian Fathers, the Society of Divine Savior. And the religious order was established by uh, Blessed Francis Jordan in 1881, 8 of December 1881. And after my ordination, I worked uh, one year in Poland, one and a half actually, and from there I went to India for almost seven years, and I spent some time in east part of Africa in Tanzania, in Morogoro, not far away from Dar es Salaam, and then I ended up in the Diocese of Alberta in Canada. So I have been here for almost 20 years. We are very blessed to have you in our diocese. Uh, I first met you at St. Joseph's, I believe. Yes, that was my first. I had heard of you, but I didn't officially meet you until you moved to St. Joseph's. So, And you know St. Joseph is a good friend of mine. Yes, that was my parish in Calgary. And the parish was actually given to our religious order by Bishop Henry. And so since I believe 20, maybe 25 or 7 years, or maybe even more, we are taking care of that particular parish in Calgary. Yeah. That's awesome. As you can tell, we're live and on the street, and uh, we're here 
in beautiful High River where you're now posted out in a rural setting and uh, yeah High River was known very well almost 10 years ago the huge flood mm-hmm. we had in Alberta so next year will be 10 years since uh, High River recuperate and I have to say quite well people are very dedicated and very very good people here in High River yeah, we had Calgary also got hit very badly, mm-hmm. and they still went ahead with the stampede that year. Come <laughs> hell or high water, I remember. Yeah. That was a pretty incredible turnaround. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, what's the story behind this Orange County Chopper? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cutting to some shots of it, uh, so, because I already did some close-ups on yeah. the bike, so... You know, as, as you know, we, we have a bunch of guys uh, riding every year, kind of a retreat on the highway with some famous guys, just to mention a few, Jeff Cavins, Bishop Scott McCrack, and Sean Lynn, and some other famous guys. So we, we do ride a lot, and for a number of years, and I remember it was a number of years, maybe five or so years ago, or maybe six. Uh, Jeff came to me and he said, Father, Father, you need to see that bike. You need to buy that bike. And I said, Jeff, I have a bike and I quite content with mine, so no, thank okay. you. Okay, I'm hearing some revisionist history here, okay? <laughs> it was your first ride with us and I'm going, Jeff, show, show Father the bike. <laughs> and that night, because Father and I were sharing a hotel room, he's walking around in a trance. I got to have that bike. I got to have that bike. Yes, and the selling point was not even though who made that bike, but it was the whole bike as a tribute to John Paul II. That me, being a man who grew up under John Paul II reign as a pope, it was a matter of pride. And of course, I, I saw the bike, but there's no way I can afford that bike. So that part was done by Jeff. So when we sat down together, and when I said, you know, I would like to have that bike, then he used his power and he got in touch with the owner. And then after some contribution, we we got the possession of the bike. So for a long time, it was in the States. I couldn't move the bike to Canada because of the uh, legal issues with the paperwork and all that kind of stuff. So finally it's here and I'm enjoying it, but it is one piece of work. Yeah, the bike was built by Orange County Choppers, Paul Jr. by the way. And it is, it is amazing. And it is so, so interesting. The whole point why the bike was built was for that particular purpose, for evangelization. And then that's what I'm doing it, riding the bike. You don't have to say even a word. People come and look at the bike whenever I pump the gas. I said, who is that guy on the tank? <laughs> and that's how the conversation starts. Yeah, and then when you look at the bike, it's very much Catholic motorcycle. <laughs> and that's that's why we were riding motorcycles in the first place. As you say it's a retreat, which it is for us uh, to get out, to share brotherhood, to to get on the open road. But we also evangelize yeah. wherever we go, uh, looking for the people that God gives us the opportunity to do that. And 
it's been uh, it's been wonderful. It it has been fun. I, I enjoyed it very much, and it's an interesting. Like for us, we are people who are surrounded by Christian environment, in the parish or place of work, wherever you go. You have people who share the same faith, share the same way of life, the same ideas. But when we get on the bike, you meet all kinds of people. And not necessarily from your line of life or your work or your faith. But no matter who they are, God is present there. And that's what we have to do. We just have to present the gospel to them. We are like going and just spreading the seed and then the God does the growing, he does the rest. So we do our job, he does his job, and hopefully we will get somewhere in all of that. And we're doing our job right now by talking to you, having a whiskey, yeah. he's got a cigar, I've got a pipe. See, I don't normally get to do this uh, in the in the pub because there's no smoking in the house. So Yeah, oh, we can have a smoke here. It's not a problem. Yeah. So that's the, the beauty, the beauty of the motorcycle. So you talked about growing up in Poland. Uh, you grew up during the communist reign there. Yes. That's got to be like quite a bit different. How do people, how can people understand just how good they have it here? You know, I, I still remember martial law in Poland. I still remember lining up for piece of sausage. I remember lining up for almost anything. We, you had to line up for two, three days to get something to uh, to eat. So it wasn't it wasn't that uh, how to say it? for me it wasn't that that bad. I, since I was a kid, I was I don't know maybe twelve or fourteen years old at that time. Uh, uh, during the martial law. So it, it was like for a child, you know, the parents will tell you, go and line up for a piece of sausage, and that's what you do, right? You don't question your parents, you just do what you are told. That's how we grew up, and that's how we did it. But later on, when we grew up, I remember uh, when I decided to go to the seminary, uh, the police department show up at my mother's door, and they told her, if your son is not back in one month, you're going to lose your job. And so the response of my mother to that police officer was, she just shut the door in front of his nose and didn't even have any conversation with him. She was a strong woman and she knew what she wanted and nobody will tell her otherwise. So it was difficult and tough for my parents more than for us as a children. You don't really realize was going on, but for parents to have uh, kids and to secure your job and still give the proper education to, to your children was, was a challenge, was a challenge. So if I, if I compare this year to Canada, I mean, there is no comparison. In some aspect there is, but in some aspect, life is beautiful here. There's no, no really a big concern about anything almost. So what you're saying, you sitting here having a whiskey and a pipe with uh, police officers, <laughs> a, a huge, huge uh, stretch for you. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's where some of the struggles here come, working with the immigrant young people and stuff, because police aren't regarded the same way. Uh, no, the police department, uh, it was very much... 
working for the government and they were just extension of the government and they were not people trustworthy. They were basically fighting with the church and every, everything else. So it, it was, uh, you, as a priest, probably you will never ever sit with the police officer smoking or, or drinking uh, anything. It, it's just not convincing, it's not, not visible. Not, not in normal circumstances, unless there were some, some connections private before the martial law, but in normal circumstances there's no way. So there, there was a huge, huge lack of trust towards any law enforcement in Poland during the communist time. Yeah. So how does, for, for one working with immigrant people coming in who have that lack of trust, how do we, how do we get over that or how do we build that trust here what advice do you give our young police officers I mean I don't know any other countries but what I can say knowing you and knowing that you are the police officer if you know somebody personally then you have a relationship you have some kind of trust built but not because you are a police officer it's because you are men I can trust regardless what kind of job you do. Or what kind of bike I ride, right? Or, uh, that will be a different story, yeah. But, you know, I guess victory is not that bad. I have seen worse, yeah. But anyway, that, that's what it is. It's more about the person, not so much what you do. And, and I believe that's the part of uh, even being a priest in this part of the world. is a little bit different than being a priest in, in Poland when I was ordained there uh, people they don't really care who, who you are here they do care what you do what kind of job you do and if you're good at it if you're good to them they're good to you but if if you're not pleasant then they, they won't give you any credit regardless if you're a priest or a bishop or whoever you are you have to be good to them and they're good to you sometimes that's challenge because of the gospel which we preach and we don't preach our gospel we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and that, that's my another uh, challenge like you know how can you go and speak from the pulpit right to tell people about ideas for life and all of that uh, coming from different country different environment all of that but but the beauty of that is we are not preaching our own gospel we are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what gives us that uh, ability to communicate with people, to, to preach the universal truth, no matter where you are. So it doesn't matter if it's Poland or Canada, you, spilled, you still preach the same gospel. Well, and you talked about something, so I was at a Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance board meeting today, and we were talking about heroicmen.com where this show is and and uh, the other things that we're trying to do but that outreach especially to men has to be that personal building relationship that that tap that invitation and uh, and we've got to get over 
what we do or what we're who yeah. we are and I mean, that's that's precisely why I like those trips when we get together you know we, we can have a little whiskey we can have a cigar we can talk about faith we can talk about our relationship with God all of that and it is good if you have somebody else who does it that as well so we have a common interest we we live the same faith and we share the same faith and it is a beautiful beautiful uh men's getting together and and that's what i really enjoy as much as i like to be alone sometimes but it is good to be together and just have fun and talking about that relationship i believe what at least the, the children or the young people at the school, they, they have to look at us like a normal people. Not necessarily as a, as a priest, which we are, but it, it is just people who live normal life, who have some hobbies, like in my case, motorcycles, but then we can relate to them. I, when I take the bike to the school, sometimes when I try to talk about religion and the gospel, about faith, I use that motorcycle to talk to those children. And it seems to be working, like they will come and ask some questions and uh, they can see that this even bike can relate to, to, to the gospel, to evangelizing. So it is, a, it is an evangelization tool. And I believe we need priests who, who have some hobbies, can relate to them play with them, be there when they are in need, not only in the church, not only from the pulpit, but the school, the basketball court, the highway, wherever we can. And that's one of the reasons we looked at disc yeah. golf was just because that's where there's a lot of young men and what better way to reach out to them than just walking around and talking to them for uh, 18 holes and getting to meet them and say hi. And so... There's lots of opportunities in finding that hook. Uh, one of them that God Squad's used quite effectively is our barbecue outreach. So uh, feeding them, we may have taken that line, feed my sheep, a little too literally. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, we cooked up a whole lot of meat in the last couple of months. Uh, yeah. what, what, what's a dish that you prepare that... Uh, will bring friends together. Oh, you know, my I grew up in a very, very traditional family. I remember my uh, mom, she was the queen of the kitchen. And we were not even allowed to walk into the kitchen. When you make that attempt, you will realize that you're not in your own territory. You better go. <laughs> so I did try once, I remember for my Mother's Day, to cook something for her. And she said, I, I got the point, she says, but please don't do that anymore. <laughs> so my cooking skills are not that great, but uh, the Polish dish will be probably that we call it in our language schabowy, but that will be a schnitzel. Schnitzel and yeah. That was in my house. Yeah, my that house. was the favorite. That was like a Sunday dinner. That thing. was Sunday dinner. Yes, very much so. My brother and I, oh, we enjoyed that very much. And I learned how to do that. So from time to time, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. Well, you're yeah. going to have to show me how to do that one so yeah. that I can bring it home to my family. <laughs> so a lot of young men are struggling even knowing what a man is in today's world, what advice do you give your 18-year-old self? 
You know, I was I would say I was lucky in the sense that when I was 18 years old, um, we we had to struggle with much bigger problems than people here in Canada. Uh, I'm talking about the communism. So yeah. for us, the the obvious enemy was a communist party, and so it was black and white. We didn't have any other issues, big issues in our country. That was the main issue we had to deal with. So we didn't really waste time. We just tried to do whatever we could to destroy that system. And with John Paul II, thanks be to God, uh, we succeeded. So that was that was great. But what I see in this country these days, uh, the young men are confused. And they are confused with so many ideas, with so much stuff coming from all over the places. And some of this stuff which we hear, it has nothing to do with faith, nothing to do with God, nothing to do with morals. It is just one big confused world. And we need more than ever priests and bishops who will just say from the pulpit or in life, you know, the pure, clear teaching of the church and try to leave that teaching. So instead of confusing, we need to just clarify whatever we can, keep it simple. So that they're not speeding past our or a dram with friends here. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are not speeding. They are going according to the speed limit. That's the, yeah, yeah. No, that confusion is probably the biggest problem. And lack of supernatural. Supernatural. Like all of us, we try to comprehend everything. And by doing so, we know our mind is limited. We cannot comprehend God. We have to believe in Him. So that's why no matter how much you will try to comprehend God, you will never accomplish that. So you set up yourself for failure. But that's why we need that supernatural. We need that faith in God, and God will lead us wherever He wants us to go. But we need that supernatural. And what better month than August to do that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Rosary, prayer, like all of that is so important. And as I always say, you know, I don't really care if I'm talking to a lay person or to the religious person or whoever. If you don't pray the rosary, you are setting up yourself for a failure. That's that's the end of the story. You, you, she's the mother, and she's taking care of us. And she is the the, the most beautiful saint we we ever had. We're doing a novena to the uh, Immaculate Conception, Maximilian Kolbe one, and it's it's very very beautiful. Yeah, we're because we're we're traveling, so yeah. we're just asking for protection and provision for our our trip so we thought we'd do a nine-day novena and uh, just it's amazing the depth of listening yeah. to maximilian colby's reflections there you know when when you when i grew up uh looking back in the history are cardinal klant in poland cardinal wyszynski in poland cardinal wojtyła the john paul ii mm, Faustina, uh, Maximilian Kolbe, all of them, all of them. They had a beautiful, beautiful devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And some people may call it extremism or too much Mary, but this is such a beautiful example for all of us. You know, even look at John Paul. He said, Totus Tus, I'm all yours. And it's not like Mary is something more than Jesus. That's not the case. But for us Pauls, you know, Mary has a special place. And she is the only only mother all of us we go to. Every great Polish saint uh, took Mary as a mother. 
and that's that's the beautiful heritage we have. Yeah. So for me, there's no other option. Just the rosary every single day. So you kind of broach the next subject. Uh, you've heard Jeff talk about riding with your posse. Who are your go-to saints? Who are the? I think you. I have three of them. Three of them? Yes. My first saint is John Paul II, of course. Uh, the second one is Mother Teresa of Calcutta, and the third one is Padre Pio. Oh wow! So those are my two passes, and every evening before I go to bed, I always pray to those three. And sometimes I add some extra saints to my prayers, but those are my passes. Those three. Mother Teresa, because of I was in India uh, when she died, I was working at in Bangalore in India at that time. So I saw firsthand the work she has done it, which which was a beautiful, beautiful. So I have seen her. Yeah, and that was something that I will never forget. And Padre Pio, because of the books, when I was young, I always liked to read those books of Father, about Padre Pio. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome, and that's the beauty of our faith is it's so rich and deep, and so many saints. So we're talking people alive in Christ because we believe that life everlasting that's in our our creed and. Yeah. So you can find somebody that you can identify with and, and oh, walk yeah. with. Uh, and me, for me, is is so easy. Like we have those great saints, John Paul. And you know, not so long ago, I was uh, uh, watching a YouTube channel, and I was kind of disappointed. Um, disappointed in the sense that the channel was about John Paul II and the priest who was talking about, he was talking about John Paul II as a first pope who's key, right? Or the first pope who had a watch or the first pope who was swimming, all of that, kind, which is beautiful, all of it. But we lost that tremendous work he has done it those yeah. documents those teaching and we look at John Paul from that perspective more like a normal man adventure guy but slowly we are forgetting the tremendous work he has done it not only from the spiritual part the religious perspective but also from that political perspective in Europe all of that and it, it is amazing how quickly we we jump over and we forget about men and we own him so much. No, so he much. was tremendous. He, and that's where it'll be interesting. It's still fairly recent history, but how history will view him? Because he he spoke something like seven languages. Oh, yeah. He wrote just yeah. I, I don't know how many encyclicals. And you know, I remember when we were in the seminary, we had to study his books, right? So those books were quite boring, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> when he was a professor in the Lublin University. But once he became the Pope, it is completely different stuff. It was more pastoral. It was more, or maybe we grew up. Maybe we grew up and we read those books differently. But I remember in the seminary, it was a, quite a sleeping pill. But afterwards, once you're ordained and you're in that whole pastoral ministry, it was a completely different story, different story. But he was a very, very powerful man, very powerful man, yeah. Him and Cardinal Wyszynski, those two, they were, they were very fundamental for Poland. Yeah. Well, and uh, my last guest uh, on A Dram with Friends, uh, the, 
from the Knights of Columbus, they've got a brand new movie out on Mother Teresa that just yes. opened in the States. He wasn't sure of the date it's opening here in Canada, but yes. that's something that sounds like we need to get the people out to see. And yeah, Mother Teresa too. Like she was, she was amazing, amazing woman, amazing saint. Uh, yeah. Well, we have to have those passes. We have to pray for the intercessions. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to thank you for inviting me out to your place, uh, pouring me a whiskey, and he even let me ride this thing around the block, which was pretty nerve-wracking. And uh, so it was. Uh, we got another Harley circling the block here, and Mom and Pa on it. That's it's beautiful to see. So thank you for allowing me to come here. I don't know if you know, but the term whiskey comes from a Gaelic term called Ishkabaha, which means water of life. And I pray that you lead many souls to the true water of life. That's a good one. That's a good water of life. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I have to say that I was really praying hard when Sean was riding that bike. <laughs> but thanks be to God, nothing happened. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Yeah. I hope you are enjoying this content. Please like and subscribe. Share with a friend. Also, go to godsquad.ca where you can pray with us and for us and consider donating so that we can continue our mission reaching men wherever they're at. Thank you. As